Hello, welcome to our webinar series here at Lois Law Firm. Our topic today is appeals of board, panel deci board decisions in New York. I'm Declan Gorley, and sitting to my right is Joseph Melchione. It's President's Day, so I'm not sure how many live guests we're going to have today. But um, if you, for any reason you want to watch this, we'll talk about how to, to actually uh, watch the series later on. Here's our contact information. If you have any questions, either today, tomorrow, or next week, uh, like I said, I'm Declan Gorley. Joseph Yep. This is part of our monthly webinar series here at Lois Law Firm, part of our education of workers' compensation topics in both New York and New Jersey. Uh, once a month on the third Monday, we do New York workers' comp uh, webinars, and on the fourth Monday of the month, we do New Jersey workers' comp seminars. If for any reason today you want to go back, uh, if you're one of your team members wasn't in the office today because it's President's Day and you want to watch our archive, you can go back and watch our, I think, last two years of uh, webinars uh, through our website. Just go to lois-llc.com and check the webinar link. This is going to be a brief overview of appeals in New York. Uh, it's a, this should take about 15 minutes today. Like I said, it's a brief overview, and uh, hopefully we'll answer all your questions, but if not, Right. Today's uh, presentation is live and interactive, so we encourage you to submit your questions as the presentation proceeds. We'll do the best we can at the end of the presentation to answer your questions. Um, if we don't get to your questions at any time, you can email them to either of us or anybody here at Lois, and we will be sure to make time to uh, give you detailed answers to any questions you may have. Following today's presentation, it is our hope that uh, you are better able to provide answers if your client or location wants to know, should we appeal the law judge's decision in a workers' compensation claim? Does filing an appeal create a stay uh, for indemnity benefits? What are the tactical reasons for appealing a law judge's decision? And what approximately will appeal costs at the varying levels? So I'd like to start today uh, with a brief overview of where our case law comes from. 90% of the time, 99% of the time, we're practicing uh, the workers' compensation court. Uh, now, as you can see from the slide, court is in parentheses because it's not really a court. The judges that preside uh, the workers' compensation board are not constitutional judges. This means that they cannot marry you, they cannot divorce you, they cannot incarcerate you. What they can do is they can make and render decisions regarding uh, facts and law um, with respect to workers' compensation claims. Um, because the workers' compensation court system is not uh, presided upon by uh, constitutional judges, the decisions that they render are not precedential in value. They don't have much precedential value. Once we leave the authority of the workers' compensation court, we apply to the appellate division and the Court of Appeals. We skip over the Supreme Court. Ironically, in the state of New York, the lowest trial court is referred to as the Supreme Court. Don't ask me why, I have no idea. Uh, once we leave the authority of the Workers' Compensation Board uh, and we appeal to the Appellate Division and the Court of Appeals, those decisions that are rendered are much more presidential because the judges that preside over those courts are constitutional judges. Therefore, when we're writing our briefs, um, arguing for appeal, we will predominantly be citing from decisions that come from the appellate division and or the Court of Appeals, which is the court of last resort in the state of New York. Okay, broadly speaking, where do we appeal to? You we're all uh, should be aware of what a notice of decision looks like. Following the Workers' Compensation Board hearing, most hearings, a notice of decision is issued. If we are unhappy with the decision, we have the option at the first level to appeal to the board panel, which consists of three judges. 
we're unhappy with that decision, uh, we have the option to appeal to a full board consisting of 13 workers' compensation law judges or the appellate division or both. And there are particular tactical reasons why we, we may do one, the other, or both, and we'll discuss that a little more fully later. If we are still unhappy with the decisions uh, that are rendered by the appellate court and or the full board, we have the option to uh, appeal to the New York State Court of Appeals, provided that there is a dissent uh, in the appellate division level. So in New York, uh, when we go to workers' compensation court, uh, oftentimes, like Joe said, we're going to get a notice of decision from the law judge. Uh, that's the, the final decision that happened at the hearing. Uh, there's other instances where we may get a reserve decision, usually in a litigated situation. Uh, whenever we get either a reserve decision or a notice of decision that's adverse and we want to appeal it, uh, our, our first course of action or first appeal is to the board panel. We, we're filing a request for reconsideration. Uh, it's important in New York that you file the specific rules, the specific uh, forms that we need to file. So specifically, from the date that we received the notice of decision or the reserve decision, we have 30 days to file an appeal to the, to the board panel. Uh, by filing an appeal, you must file an RB89 with that. That's the board cover sheet. Uh, failure to use the correct cover sheet could result in the board not even entertaining your appeal. Um, 30 days from the date that we file our appeal, or if our adversary files an appeal, the, the adverse... the the other party has 30 days to file a rebuttal brief. Uh, when they file a rebuttal brief, they must use an RB89.1. Again, if you don't use these correct forms, um, I'm hoping that your attorneys are use, using the correct forms, but if they don't use the correct forms, this is a reason why the board may not even entertain our, our, our appeal. Um, back in September, actually, the board implemented new guidelines and new rules for uh, basic things such as page length, uh, the, the text, the spacing on your page, you're, we're required to use one-inch margins. Um, if your appeal brief is over uh, eight pages, you must show in writing why you cannot uh, fit that brief in eight pages. If you can't prove why you couldn't fit it under eight pages, the board may not entertain your appeal. At most, you're allowed to submit is 15 pages on your appeal to the board. I think it's also important to dovetail on what Devlin's saying regarding the um the method of filling out the RB89, it's, the, the rules are pretty strict. And, um, for instance, if a necessary party is not copied on the, uh, the RB89, or if uh, one of the rules that Declan just introduced is not followed acutely, we risk the uh, opportunity that our uh, appeal will be either be rejected or precluded, correct? Yes, certainly. And even something as basic now is uh, the board is not allowing us to submit the appeal more than once. So if we file an RB89 and we file it multiple methods, so uh, sometimes previously we would submit something through the, the appeal through both email, uh, regular mail, maybe even overnight it for some reason or fax it, the board is within its discretion to just not even review that appeal. So they're only allowing us to submit that once. So I, make, I would recommend uh, any attorney out there or anybody that's filing an uh, appeal to the board that they're only filing with the board via one method. And definitely ensuring that you're only doing one method. That's a good point. That would be a pretty basic way to get your appeal not even reviewed. Uh, pretty Right, and it'd be frustrating to have your appeal uh, rejected or precluded for a reason like that. It could have easily been avoided. For a, a, a significant and important tactical consideration, uh, if, a, a board, if the judge issues a decision that requires either a retroactive benefit be paid or ongoing indemnity benefits be paid, at the initial appeal to the board, to the board panel, uh, there is a stay on payments if, if the issue being appealed is directly related to that uh, ongoing payment or the retroactive payment. 
this is the only time that there is a stay on payment. So it, while you're requesting your, uh, the board issue a decision, reconsider the appeal, uh, recons reconsider the uh, judge's decision, as long as it's specifically related to that ongoing payment or the retroactive payment, you do not have to pay the ongoing award. Correct. And this is a very important tactical uh, reason for filing appeal at the board panel level. That stay, which, which could last up to uh, 9 to 12 months, is a very powerful inciter to negotiate. Right. If the claimant is not receiving indemnity benefits, they are much more likely to come to the table and uh, take an interest in, in any settlement demand uh, that is perhaps offered. So. Um, can you just go back to the previous slide, too? While we're here, I'd just like to make the distinction. Uh, according to Workers' Compensation Law Section 23, all final decisions of the board are appealable. And when I mean final decision, I mean the decision disposes of all substantive issues involved in the case, as opposed to interlocutory appeals, which are not appealable. Interlocutory appeals would be an appeal to a notice of decision that does not dispose of all substantive issues in the case. This most commonly arises in the context of in denied cases, uh, pre-hearing conferences. We attend the pre-hearing conference and the judge limits our proofs or precludes a witness. At that point, we can't, because the decision doesn't dispose of all potential issues in the case, we can't appeal. Uh, we would have to wait until a final decision is rendered in that case to appeal the decision. And usually a final decision in denied cases are, are rendered after a trial. And this is a particularly frustrating for us because uh, we have to conduct a trial, uh, and we could be prejudiced because our witnesses or our uh, medical evidence could potentially be precluded. So it's just a, another consideration to think about when dealing with appeals. Okay, so following the initial board panel review, as we previously discussed, uh, if one is unhappy with the notice of decision that's rendered at that level, we have the option to appeal to a full board of 13 workers' compensation uh, board judges or the uh, appellate division third department. Um, or both. And again, we're, we're going to discuss a little, a little later on why there are tactical reasons why we may want to do both. Uh, if, again, we are unhappy with the decision following uh, our appeal to those two uh, entities, we can appeal to the New York State Court of Appeals, which is the court of last resort in New York, provided that the appellate division uh, had a dissent. Correct. I think it's important to differentiate the, the difference between a a mandatory request for full board review and a discretionary request for full board review. So, as I alluded to earlier on, when we request a, uh, when we file our initial request for reconsideration by the board, three judges will review that decision and render a decision. They can either uh, affirm, modify, or rescind the prior judge's decision. If three judges uh, come to an agreement that the decision should be affirmed, uh, we can request a discretionary full board review, meaning we ask for all 13 judges to review it. Oftentimes when this is the case, we'll get a decision back as early as 60 days saying we've reviewed the merits of your uh, request and we're not issuing a full board review. We're affirming the prior decision. However, if one judge, one of the three judges, uh, when they issued the, the memorandum of board panel decision, dissented, so they disagree with the other two judges that decide to affirm the prior decision, now the, our request for full board review is mandatory. So they cannot just say, right. we, we are not reviewing this. They must review it. So all 13 judges then must issue a full board review. Right. Okay, once again, just to reiterate, the Court of Appeals is the Court of Last Resort in the state of New York, and we would be able to appeal to 
the Court of Appeals if there's a dissent at the appellate level. I think it's important to note that we very rarely appeal to the appellate division or the Court of Appeals for the tactical reasons we mentioned. There's no stay at those levels. The reason why we would be appealing to the appellate division or the Court of Appeals would be because either we would like to make law, we believe that the facts of that particular claim, that particular case will lend themselves to creating new law or clarify existing law. And there are certain expenses that go along with that, along with the tactical reasons as to why we wouldn't do that too often. And we're going to discuss that at the next slide. So the initial request for reconsideration, when we're asking the first three judges to review the initial judge's decision, so asking for review of the notice decision or the reserve decision, as I said before, there is a stay on indemnity benefits if that specific direction is being appealed. The cost involved is simply your attorney hours or the paralegal time or whoever hours within the law firm that's defending your case. There are no filing fees in workers' compensation court, so your only fees are pretty basic. Whatever time is going into the appeal is what's being passed on to you, the client. Correct. With respect to decisions being reversed, about 30% at the initial appeal are reversed. And as we leave the board panel, we get to the second level appeal. As we stated, we could appeal to the full board or the appellate division. Tactically, we lose the ability of the stay at this point, so you're paying the indemnity benefits to the claimant throughout this process. At the full board level, very similar to the board panel level, the costs associated are generally to fill out the RB89 form, which is typically done by a paralegal and reviewed by an attorney, and whatever hours for the attorney to draft the appeal brief. At the appellate division level, it's a little bit different. And as you can see, the cost there, we have $5,000 plus attorney's hours. Most of those 5,000 hours are printing costs. When you're applying to the appellate division, there are certain much stricter rules than applying to any of the lower levels. For instance, the record needs to be perfected, and what that means is all of the parties to the claim must agree what should be part of that record. And one of the parties representing the board would be the attorney general. So as you can imagine, logistically, there are major delays in dealing with that process. Once this record is settled, we must make nine copies and submit nine copies to all of the interested parties. And in order to do that, there are very strict rules. The books have to be bound, and it could be hundreds or thousands of pages, and that's where you incur those costs. Beyond that, you also have to file the appellate brief that goes along with the record. And at the court of appeals level, it's very similar to the appellate division. I think it's important to note that if you are considering filing an appeal to the appellate division, you have 30 days from the date that the board issues their board panel decision. You don't have the ability to wait until you get the file you request for full board review, and the board comes back and issues a decision on your request for full board review. And then if that's adverse, decide to take an appeal to the appellate division at that time. You have 30 days from the date that the board issues their initial memorandum of board panel decision. The notice of appeal is very simply just – it's very minor, the time entailed at that point. And then we have nine months to actually perfect our appeal. So it may just be a matter of protecting yourself by filing that notice of appeal and then perfecting it at a later date or deciding at some point not to perfect it. But the bottom line is if you don't protect yourself, you could be precluded from ever filing an appeal to the appellate division. 
Okay, that brings us to the end of our presentation. I guess uh, Declan's presumption at the beginning was correct. Uh, we don't see any questions here. Hopefully, uh, those of you who are watching uh, got something out of this. Please keep in mind that you can submit questions at any time uh, to either Declan, myself, or anyone else at Lois Law Firm, and we'll do the best we can to provide you with detailed answers in a short amount of time. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, next month's topic it will be the final webinar in our curriculum, penalties, and then the program will start from the beginning. Thanks for joining us today. Have a good day.